Hi, welcome to episode 625 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and my life is spiraling out of control due to a series of unfortunate and highly negative events. 625 such events, to be precise. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today is Fantastic Four, Volume 5, Number 8, released on August 13th, 2014. Original Sin is the title, again, by writer James Robinson and artist Leonard Kirk. So, after seemingly killing the Puppet Master, Ben is being led off in shackles by some agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And once again, we get some newspaper copy written by Betty Brandt of the Daily Bugle. Like, what is this thing that James Robinson has for Betty Brandt? Why Betty Brandt? She mentions that the Puppet Master is the stepfather of Alicia Masters, the Thing's girlfriend, who is blind, so she is not a very reliable witness to what happened. However, Reed Richards was there, arriving just after the killing, which makes him an ironclad witness, putting a damper on their relationship between Ben and uh, Reed, most certainly. Betty mentions the, the incident with the failed experiment that went wrong, which is why Ben has been in such a foul mood lately. Still, that doesn't seem like something he should be so unhappy about after 40 years. And the things have really gotten uh, bad lately for the FF with this thing murder stuff. Just one more item in a growing list of events in the apparent unraveling of the Fantastic Four. You know, it just occurred to me what James Robinson is doing here. He's doing his version of one of my all-time favorite stories, Daredevil Born Again. Which, if you haven't read that, Matt Murdock's life unravels in a series of unfortunate events. But in that story, it starts with the Kingpin learning that Matt Murdock is Daredevil, so we know the entire time that all these seemingly unrelated events that befall Matt Murdock are related, the product of the Kingpin's desire for revenge. Here, all these unrelated events that befall the Fantastic Four, they just seem unrelated. As though it were a series of unfortunate events that only coincidentally seem to be happening one right after another. You know, I've read, I've read Volume 5 the first time it came out, but and that was only a few years ago. I have no memory at all of how it ends. It may be part of a big revenge, revenge scheme by Doctor Doom or somebody, for all I know. But narratively, I think it might be more fun if we could see the big bad, if there is one, reveling in his victory as the Fantastic Four slowly falls apart. But then again, it may just be a bunch of coincidences and if that's the case, puke. Betty Brandt recounts the events from last issue, with Sue facing the Avengers and using her force field powers against them. And we get a slightly longer fight scene this issue as she takes on Thor and Hawkeye, who says, Relax, I got this. The guy shoots arrows. <laughs> he thinks he's got a woman who creates force fields? Not very bright, is he? She sees the Human Torch and seems excited that Johnny has his powers back. 
but it turns out it's only Jim Hammond, the original Human Torch, now an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. He tells her that he's been given the task of watching over the future Foundation children, including her own sons, Franklin, and she wants to go see the kids, but he says that she can't. But he assures her and Reed that he will do everything he can to protect them with his life. Yeah, but who's watching over them now? He assures her that everything will work out in the end. He just knows it will. Ugh, I guess he hasn't seen the Fantastic Four's sales numbers. So anyway, Sue's crying and Jim Hammond gives her a little hug. All the Avengers, along with Reed and Johnny, they gather around. And in the Betty Brant's news story, I still don't know why Betty Brant has become the narrator for this series. She says that after Sue's outburst, the FF have become even more unwelcome than before. So later we see Reed and Sue in a little helicopter. The Fantasticopter? Which seems odd. They've never been in a helicopter before. Doesn't seem like it would be as fast as some of their other modes of transportation. Sue and Reed are wearing street clothes. You know they wore their uniforms to court? But now for the helicopter ride, normal street clothes. You know, I like seeing them in normal street clothes from time to time. It humanizes them. This crap about them wearing their uniforms every day, everywhere they go, 24-7, it just makes them seem like weird people. The chopper is flying over a large body of water. An ocean, I guess. Maybe a big lake. They're talking about their kids, how they can't see them until, quote, they prove themselves to be responsible parents in a safe and healthy environment. Well, they haven't been responsible parents t raising a kid in a safe and healthy environment since, oh, since 1968. It's a little too late to start now. They're still not allowed into the Baxter building until all the inventions and stuff are evaluated to see if Reed broke any laws. My guess is, yes, he did. There are worse weapons of mass destruction, for real, in the Baxter building than Bush and Cheney could even make up about Iraq. We learn that even the Fantastic Car was impounded. And then Sue starts to feel bad about attacking the Avengers, which only made things worse. Yes, it is 2014. The Avengers are a thousand times more popular than the Fantastic Four. So that's not a good way to ingratiate yourselves to the general public. Reed feels bad about those dangerous devices and portals to other dimensions that he had. But he's glad that Sue is still by his side. I'm not going anywhere, she says. And they start to kiss. Ooh, having sex in a helicopter would be very sexy. Has that ever happened? You always hear stories about people having sex in planes, but I have never heard anybody ever talk about helicopter sex. But we see they're not alone. Some lady with long black hair is flying the chopper and tells them to look out the starboard side. Down below, they see a ginormous floating city. And it says they're in Lake Michigan. So yeah, it's a big lake. The design of this floating city is pretty cool. Already, my enthusiasm is going up. I want to see what the deal is with this badass floating city. Is this another one of those places created by rich people where they can go and hide after they finish ruining our planet? We'll see. Reed says it's called Eden, the community of tomorrow. Powered completely by solar energy 
and electro and hydro electricity from Lake Michigan. Completely? He said completely? There is a bunch of giant windmills right in the panel where he says the city is completely powered by solar and hydroelectricity. So I guess those big windmills are just for show. The chopper lands and Reed and Sue get out and are welcomed by a man called John. Yeah, you can guess it. John Eden, who's wearing a white Nehru jacket. Good thing he owns his own city where he can't be nagged by social justice warriors for cultural appropriation. Reed is impressed by Eden's work, and it sounds like he's accepted a job offer working for him. Oh, come on. John Eden is totally going to turn into some kind of megalomaniacal evil genius. Meanwhile, we see Dragon Man is in a holding cell, locked up, reading a book. And back at the S.H.I.E.L.D. base, Camp Hammond, the rest of the Future Foundation kids are arguing with the original Human Torch that Dragon Man is a member of their team and that S.H.I.E.L.D. can't kill him. Torch, Jim Hammond, doesn't know where Dragon Man is, but he says he made a promise to, to Sue to take care of everyone. So he's going to help them find and rescue Dragon Man. And back in Manhattan, Johnny is meeting with his manager. His music career is not going very well. Since he lost his powers, no one wants to see him in concert anymore as there is no shortage of pretty bore musical acts without firepowers. So any, you know, I've never understood why people care what a musician or singer looks like. It's music. It goes in my ears. When I want to see good looking people, I'll watch porn and not listen to music. So Johnny's pissed off to learn that his tour has been canceled. I guess he should calm down. I mean, Reed and Sue lost their children. Ben is in prison for murder. Having your tour canceled doesn't seem so bad. And speaking of Ben, we visit Rikers Island, where in the Marvel Universe, this seems to be one of those, one of many places where they lock up their supervillains. We see Ben arriving, with one guard telling him that he's just another monster. Ben looks around and sees all the supervillains locked up in these tiny yellow boxes, where there's no room to sit. No room to lie down? Which, that looks like torture to me. You might be right, he says back to the guard who called him a monster. And that is the end of the issue. And with that, I've got ten more issues to go. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Baby, I'm playing.